Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. What's going on, guys? It's time for another edition of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff here on the podcast seat and at Free Shows Network. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am every single week by my bald brethren, Mr. Eric Bischoff. Look what they've done to my boy. Man, it was great. I had a blast. (laughs) I had a blast. And, you know, the coolest thing about it is the feedback that I've received. And a lot of it is is from people who are not wrestling fans who have friends or family, children who have been a part of the St. Jude program. And it's been overwhelming. If I could grow my hair fast enough to go get it shaved once a month to raise money for St. Jude, I would do it. Because it's just, it's really cool. And it started out as a goofy thing, but man, did it end up being something I'm probably one of the things I'm most proud of. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but proud in a different way. I'll tell you, man, you look very uh, Bruce Willis-y. You look a little action here. I I dig it. Well, my wife said Sean Connery. Oh, okay. Um, All right. A little more. he's He's old as hell, and Bruce Willis, unfortunately, isn't doing all that well, so I don't know how to take that. No, I mean it as a compliment. Okay, I'm sure you would that, uh, but I'm sure Top Guy Weekend was great. It, it seemed like it was. Everyone had a, a great time booking their own fantasy. You know stuff. what though? Tell me, I don't look like Kevin Sullivan right now. Here, I'm gonna put it. These are cheaters because I lost my regular glasses, so I got a pair of like four dollar cheaters that really don't fit. But I had them on because I have to put these on to read. Right, I had these things on, and I walked by the mirror and I thought. I thought for a second Kevin Sullivan snuck in my house. Tell me I don't look like Kevin Sullivan. Wow. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And you got to reunite with him this past week, too. So that's kind of Yeah, Doug Dillinger, Dirty Dick Cheatham. You know, Dirty Dick Cheatham. Talk about the business of the wrestling business. We're going to get Dirty Dick Cheatham on here pretty soon. Okay. I I know Conrad's going to sit down with him, and that's going to be awesome. But, yeah, Dirty Dick Cheatham. He's from Turner Finance. It's going to be a great conversation. You brought him up just a few weeks ago here on this podcast, which, of course, go back into the archives, 83weeks.com, adfreeshows.com. Get up to business with Strictly Business by checking out all of our episodes in the archive. We have an amazing episode planned for you guys today. We're going to be having a conversation uh, with Matt Cardona, which I'm going to tee up on just in a second here, Eric. But before we do, i got to ask you about this. I know you talked a little bit about AEW Collision in this past week's 83 weeks, but since then, we have gotten the rating for AEW Collision. Uh, Collision comes in at 595,000 viewers, down 27% from the premiere, which was 816,000. It was down 37% in the 18 to 49 demographic, polling a 0.21 in that. Uh, You had mentioned in the past that you expected there to be some drop off that initial interest. What's your reaction to that rating in week two? Um, I actually predicted 
that it was going to drop somewhere between 25 and 30%. And it came in at 27. See, that's the thing about the show, people. I don't always talk about the things after they happen because any moron can do that. I tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Remember that. <laughs> and yeah, I, it, it came it, to be expected. I think the good news is that 27% drop in, in viewers and 31% drop or 37% drop in demo. Uh, fortunately, it, the show came out of the shoot with a higher than expected audience in demo. So yes, they took a hit. We predicted it here. Everybody knew it was going to happen. I, I just have watched the pattern over the last five years, and 30% is generally the drop. So, I, I look, no, no cause to panic. I didn't watch the second Saturday show, obviously, Collision, because I was busy in Huntsville, um, having a blast. So I didn't see it. I haven't watched the, uh, the DVR version of it yet. I haven't had time. Just got home the other day. I will watch it, but no cause to panic. Let's, I think the third week is going to be the telltale because that, you know, you're going, you, you know, you're going to get a drop the second week. It just is what it is. If you drop significantly, if you drop by another 15% on week three, 15% from week two, now you got a problem. But if they hold it, if it's flat, I think that's a good sign because let's be real. You know, Saturday seems like, oh yeah, that's a good night. And historically, you know, there's a lot of reasons why if you're a cheerleader, you're going to, you're going to be optimistic. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't be because the wrestling is an alternative to a lot of the other things that are on on Saturday nights. But when college football comes along, if we're seeing a, a viewing audience of 350,000, I'll be surprised. It's going to be hard, but right now, they can do a great job of putting on, if, it, if the second week was anything like the first week, if they can do that consistently, it'll turn into must, must view television, must see TV. It will, because the quality of what I saw the first time was so good. Now, again, I, I may watch the DVR version of it and go, what the hell? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard recently, as recently as last night, that AEW must be listening to Strictly Business or 83 Weeks because, oh, what are they doing? I've been harping on this now for months and called them out specifically on the, the, the poor-ass quality of their backstage promos. And huh, last night, they're doing on-the-fly interviews backstage. Yay for them. Now, I haven't seen them yet. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm hoping for the best, really am. Well, it is reported that Forbidden Door, the pay-per-view buys that it did, are going to be the highest since Double or Nothing 2022. So that would be May 2022. So that seems to be a good business trend for AEW in that sense. Selling pay-per-views is not easy, especially less than a month after your last one. So that sounds like that was, I mean, well, when you have a match like Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay on the docket. And uh, did you see... I know you guys watched Forbidden Door and you talked a little bit about it, but Brian Danielson wrestled that Okada match with his arm broken for the last 10 minutes. And the x-ray that his wife Bree posted was gnarly. I mean, this was a clean break that this guy wrestled the last 10 minutes with. Uh, I mean, what a performer he is, isn't he? That's 
I've broken my arm before. I know what that feels like. I, I have a metal plate, a titanium plate from my elbow, just above my elbow to just below my shoulder joint. I don't know how he did that. That is the personification of tough MF -er. He is. And mentally and physically. And, you know, one thing I do want to say, too, you know, we know that Tony Khan is a diehard wrestling fan. And that's why we see him licensing out music and stuff. Seeing Brian Danielson come out to the final countdown, this very famous song, which was his indie song for years, coming out in this main event. Doesn't it enhance wrestling so much? I'm asking the guy who licensed Voodoo Child. When you get these mainstream popular songs accompanying these stars, doesn't it enhance that presentation like crazy? It can. It's not automatic. You know, Voodoo Child, and the reason I spent $100,000 to do what Tony's doing for probably millions. The reason I use Voodoo Child, though, is not, not only because I was a Jimi Hendrix fan, which I still am to this day. If you look at my playlist, it just reeks of Jimi Hendrix. Um, but because that song, Voodoo Child, fit that character so well, it's almost like it was written for. So it's not only an iconic piece of classic rock and part of, you know, 60s, 70s pop culture that still ages great today, but it fit the character. And I think the same thing happened with Final Countdown. Not that Daniel Bryanson, Brian, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever, still can't get it right. Not that he's any kind of a, in any kind of a countdown to retirement type of thing or leading up to a final match type of thing, but because of the connection of the Indies and, and just the song, like each match could be a final countdown yeah. if you want to look at it that way. So thematically, it's not only a classic iconic song, it's a classic iconic song that really fits that character. Yeah. If you'd use that same piece of music for an, a different character where it didn't fit as well, because it wasn't a character that is, you know, is, is respected and highly regarded in every way, professionally as a talent, professionally as a backstage person, professionally walking through life, you know, in everyday life. He's got a lot of that respect. But if you put that song on somebody else that didn't have that kind of equity, it'd still be cool. People go, wow, Tony spent a lot of money. I remember that song. Wow. And it's a, it's a kind of a, a, you know, it's like a rally type song anyway. You just want to go out and of course do something when you hear that song. So you'd still get a pop, but not like you're going to get with Daniel. No, I mean, Wild Thing with John Moxley works perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Jane by Jefferson Starship for Orange Cassidy works perfectly too. It, it's very cool when you see those work out well. And, and I do give a lot of credit for that because it does enhance presentation. And, and let's look at the other end of the spectrum. Paul Heyman used to do it. It's one of the reasons that I think ECW got as popular as it did is because mm -hmm. Paul, now he just stole this shit. He didn't buy it. <laughs> he didn't license anything. Um, but he was, you know, he was, he, he was not on any labels radar. You know, it, nobody knew it. You know? And he got away with it for a long time. And I think that music, and it was used well, because Paul's pretty brilliant this way. That music is one of the things that helped Maybe a small thing, maybe a big thing. I don't know. But certainly one of the things that helped get ECW over the way it did, because you didn't see that anywhere else. Couldn't. 
you were there for the first one night stand when Sandman came out to enter Sandman and you had 5,000 people, however many it was, just absolutely losing their minds at it for Sandman. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Eric, this week we have Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder on the podcast with us, who I think has become one of the most incredible examples of reinvention and turning reinvention into cash in the wrestling industry. What can people look forward to in this conversation they're about to hear? You answer that brother. I know Matt Cardona. I mean, I know who he is, but we've never sat down and had a conversation. I know of his WWE uh, life uh, and, and as a talent, but again, I never, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm anxious. You know, you told me that I'd be impressed and I'll be honest with you, John, that sometimes you're, Right on the money, and sometimes I'm thinking, I don't know, but we'll see. I'm I'm here to learn. Let's not waste any more time. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You see, Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame and you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at painterlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word weeks to 87204. That's weeks to 87204. Text weeks to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. David Crockett and Conrad go day by day through June of 1985 in Jim Crockett Promotions on the latest episode of The Book the month that the grandson of a plumber arrived. June 30th, Cody Rhodes is going to be born. I mean, his dad wow. is, is is wrestling with Tully Blanchard in Los Angeles, and Dusty's got to hurry home and rush out of there and get home to Charlotte to see his wife, Michelle, give birth to the American Nightmare. It's a special day in Jim Crockett Promotions history. Jake the Snake Roberts chatted live with Adfree Show's members about his Hall of Fame career and a story about Ron Garvin you won't soon forget. You know, everybody's got a tell, you know, so you know if they do that, then here, here comes his comeback. You know what Ronnie Garvin's tail was? His nipples would get hard. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God, man. His nipples would get rock hard. When his nipples got rock hard, man, he was coming to his feet and he's going to beat your ass. Just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, 
of what we have waiting for you with four levels to choose from four see for yourself why ad free shows is the best value in wrestling today sign up now right now at adfreeshows.com yeah all right eric bischoff i know you just got back from a long trip down to huntsville for top guy weekend but thankfully you had mrs b with you and if i had to guess and i'm just guessing you probably had a packet of blue chew with you as well. Am I correct in suggesting that? Yeah. When I leave home, uh, Mrs. B and I go out of town. One of the first things that I pack is blue chew. I do not leave home without my blue chew. I don't blame you at all because blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. And you can take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises, like hypothetically speaking, if you had a little bit of downtime there at Top Guy Weekend between some of the activities. Maybe the top guys are off doing karaoke, and Eric Bischoff says, ah, opportunity strikes here. I don't want to get too into your intimate details there, Eric Bischoff, but I'd imagine it went something like that down there in Huntsville. I mean, that, that weekend alone could probably excite you enough without Blue Chew, but you throw Blue Chew into the mix. Well, then, boy, howdy. Are you rocking and rolling? The best part, all of Blue Chew is done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the United States of America and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. How has Blue Chew given you the hot tag, Eric Bischoff, in the past? Well, I don't know that Blue Chew has ever bailed me out. But Blue Chew has helped put me over. Like, <laughs> I'm a subject of conversation after the fact. So, no, I've never been in any kind of trouble because Blue Chew isn't about dysfunction. It can certainly help in that regard. But that wasn't my issue. My issue is whether whatever I'm doing, I really want to perform well. I'm a performer at heart. That's why I love being out in front of a camera. That's why I love doing this podcast. I cannot not be a performer. And if you cannot not be a former, be a performer when it really matters, then you can't be without Bluetooth. You know, Eric, whenever I'd watch you at the NWO, you're strung out to the ring, the big grin, your swagger, your confidence. I always want to emulate that. Well, guess what? You can emulate that type of confidence in the bedroom, strolling on in. When you got Blue Chew at your side, Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WrestleBiz, W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code WrestleBiz to receive your first month absolutely free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Strictly Business. Well, Eric, I am very excited for this episode because I, I was brainstorming and I, I was on TweetDeck and I was scrolling through my timeline. I saw this great video that was a clear allusion to the Monday Night Wars era, as we refer to it on this podcast, not the Attitude Era. And I saw Matt Cardona and Steph DeLander doing a, a little homage to the great DX skit. And Matt was going through all these different things about being booked on the indies and now he's just completely dominated the indies. And I was saying, 
owning the indies would be a great topic here on Strictly Business because I think Matt Cardona has figured out a way to do just that. So without further ado, the artist formerly known as Zack Ryder, Mr. Matt Cardona. Welcome to Strictly Business. How are you, my friend? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm a little nervous, I'll admit. I don't know what I'm going to talk about here. I know how to be a business as myself, but I don't know anything about the business of independent wrestling. Well, that's what we want to know about the business <laughs> of Matt Cardona. I can because... help you out with that then. Because I think it's been so fascinating. I think, Eric, you're going to really find this enlightening because Matt has kind of taken all the rules we know about guys that come out of WWE going to the Indies, and he's kind of turned them on their head for a large degree of success. So, so Matt, I, I'd love to know right now, what does a, a typical month for Matt Cardona look like working different independents across the country? How busy is that schedule for you? It's, it's pretty busy, um, at least Friday and Saturday on the road, sometimes Sunday. Monday, I record the major Wrestling Fear podcast, you know, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, am I off? Yes, but I'm doing stuff for the podcast. I own my own action figure line. I'm filming these videos for social media. Uh, you know, my brain doesn't shut off, and I think that's why I've been, I don't want to say successful, but as successful as I've been. You can always be more successful, right? It's all relative. In my mind, I want to be even more successful. Yeah, and I, I, I'll jump in here, Matt. Um, I agree with you 100%. I think sometimes we lose sight of um, what, what our own individual definition of success really is. And when you're in control of your own destiny and not really reliant upon, or at least not as reliant upon, external opportunities and other people and other situations when you're in control of that as much as you can be. And it sounds like as much as you are, that's freedom. That's as close to your, you're going to get to real freedom. And to me, freedom is success. So hats off to you. And yeah, yeah. You can put, you can put dollar figures and decimal points at the end and whatever that, that matters. No doubt about it, but man, there's nothing that matters as much as freedom and no, I, your ability I agree 100%. to decide your own fate. Yeah. And, you know, I get asked this all the time and I've said this a bunch of times, like, I don't care how you define success, accolades, money, happiness. 2022 was the most successful I've ever been in my career. Um, and I was a little nervous. How am I going to top that for 2023? I'm about to. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said I never wanted to wrestle at Madison Square Garden again or have a WrestleMania moment. Of course, like I love this freedom. Like you said, Eric, if you give me a date, I could take out my calendar. I can tell you exactly where I'm going to be how much I'm getting paid, you know, and it's only going to change if I change it. So I love that sense of freedom. But, and when you think about it, Matt, as much as you'd love to experience that moment of wrestling in Madison square garden, your entrance, your match, the finish, whatever, yeah. you get that 15, 20 minutes or whatever of, of time to experience that rush but I bet you wouldn't trade everything that it would take to get Ooh. to that moment <laughs> for what you're doing now. It's tricky because my wife, Chelsea Green, she just got uh, hired back to WWE. So she's been there for a couple of months and just the changing of the schedules every week. I'm like, I don't miss that. <laughs> you right. know, I don't miss like, oh, you're needed for SmackDown. You're not needed. You're needed for live events. Oh, you're not needed. I don't miss that at all. I did that for 14 years straight and it became normal. It wasn't until I left where I was like, wait a minute. That's not normal. That's not how you should live your life. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'd love to know, Matt, you just said that 2023 is on pace to become your most successful and lucrative year 
yet. And, and I think that's amazing because there are so many people who lose that job in WWE or at the high level, and then they struggle to ever get back to that point. Did you have a method for planning out, here's how I'm going to tackle this? Was there a way that you could enlighten us on how that sausage is made to get you to that point specifically? So there was no grand plan. I mean, I got fired right as the pandemic started. There were no indies to even do. So luckily I had the, the major recipe for podcast that kept us afloat financially. Um, and once everything started opening back up, uh, I had a little cup of coffee in AEW, uh, went to impact wrestling for a while, but once the indies started opening up, I was addicted to the hustle, the, the making, you know, making the towns, selling the merch. I'm a big merch guy. That's what I do. Right. So setting up the merch table before I loved at the end of the night. Yeah. Okay. If I had a great match, sure. Right. But I love counting that cash out of my fanny pack at the end of the night. You know, I'm addicted to that. And then it just snowballed into different ideas. What other merch could I make? What other, what other promotions could I go and do? How can I make myself different? You know, I'm sure that will, We'll talk about the GCW and the death match, you know, me becoming a death match king. Uh, it's just, I'm just, I don't have this grand plan to answer your question. I'm just, I use the, the hashtag, uh, the gimmick always ready. And it's more than just a hashtag a gimmick. It's how I've lived my life, lived my career. I have to be ready for any opportunity presented. And listen, they're not all going to be home runs. Sometimes I'm going to strike out, but that's how you grow. That's how you learn. Let me ask you, man, I want to back up just a second. Did you see what you, you what year did you leave? When did you leave WWE? When did you get fired? Uh, that's 2020, April, 2020. So right as pandemic starting. Did you see it coming? Did you, did you smell it? I, I did not see it coming at all. Um, because at that time they weren't really doing releases, you know, like the, the, the giant mass releases were like a thing of the past. Right. And I thought for sure, well, you know, WWE's not just going to fire a bunch of people like <laughs> during this uncertain time. And then sure enough, they did at, at the end of the day, it was a blessing in disguise for me. Because the year prior, now listen, I don't know if it's because AEW was forming or what, but coincidentally, I would say the entire roster, at least most of them, were offered five-year deals with a significant raise. And I did not take that deal. I had one year left on my contract, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay or, or should I go. You know, my career is well-documented, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, and I'm grateful for my entire run there. But I wasn't sure if it was time to leave. Uh, ultimately that decision was made for me. Right. And, uh, it was the greatest thing that could have happened in my career. So but I did not, I did not see it coming. I did not see it coming. Well, that day we got a, a, uh, on our TR app, teller relations app, we got a video from Vince McMahon saying cuts were coming. And when that message got put out, I'm like, okay, I'm getting cut today. <laughs> but prior to so that, up, I did not see it coming. But up, Okay. So up to that, you didn't see it coming. When you finally got the call from whoever wasn't probably, uh, Mark Corona at that point, right? Um, or Johnny, I can't, I can't remember how that went. But when you got that call, what was your first reaction? Well, first, I, I remember, you know, I have a bunch of group chats with a bunch of my buddies, a lot of them who were getting fired. You know, my partner at the time, uh, Kurt Hawkins, Brian Myers, Heath, uh, Gals and Anderson, they're all getting fired, and I wasn't getting the call, and I was thinking to myself, oh my god, are they gonna let me just rot until August? Because that would my contract would have expired. I'm like, oh my God. I was basically saying, please fire me. Please fire me. Um, I had my pro wrestling tea store already ready to go with all my new merch, all my new shirts, just ready to, to go live once they fired me. Uh, and it's funny, I actually had a call to get fired because uh, Mark Corrado texted me, please call me. I'm like, okay, what's this about? So, so uh, you know, I called, got fired. Um, 
But at that point, I, I, I wanted it, you know, at that point of the day. Monetizing anything is so difficult, Matt. I know that sounds like such a baseline thing to say, but it, it really is, especially when you're talking about a period of time where there are no indies. You can't go out there, sell your merchandise. You mentioned that you had the podcast, which right. is one of the most successful podcasts in the wrestling realm, and, and it fills that very unique niche of people, fans who love wrestling figures. How did you find a way to monetize that to be able to sustain you through those early days of your release, as you mentioned? Well, I, I think you had to backtrack a little bit because in 2011, I started a YouTube show, Z True Long Island Story, which was essentially, at the time, I wanted to either get noticed by WWE or get fired. And I would use that buzz in TNA. I just, I didn't want my spot. I didn't like my spot and I wanted to have a better spot. But what can you do? You pitch all day long. It's falling on deaf ears. What, what can you do? So I said, okay, I'm going to try to take control of my own destiny. I'm going to put out these videos on YouTube. And I was doing things and saying things, you know, I'm climbing. Instead of complaining about my spot, you know, for example, I was climbing a fence saying, I'm trying to get over. Or I had this big jacked up guy pushing me, like physically pushing me. I said, you can't push me. Nobody pushes Zack Ryder. So I was making fun of my spot. <laughs> You know, so I was making fun of, of my spot, but in a way where I wasn't bitching and moaning, mm -hmm. you know? And well, you're also, you're not to interrupt you, brother, but you're also showing a pretty interesting side of your character. I yeah. mean, that's a funny thing to do and self deprecating humor, which is kind of what you were doing. I mean, right. you, you had a two prong attack to that spot, um, but it's funny and it's, it adds dimension to your character. And I'm surprised it didn't affect you in a more positive way with regard to WWE. Cause I would have taken well, notice of that and said, wait a minute, well, maybe we're not using this guy quite right. <laughs> well, I mean, at one point it got to a point where they had to use me because they were chanting my name at shows. I wasn't even at, I had merchandise. I wasn't even on television. Cause like you said, Eric, I was trying to show my personality to the fans to form a connection with the fans because I would do whatever was asked of me. If I have, if I'm told to have a two segment banger on raw, sure. If I'm told to lose in 30 seconds, sure. That's awesome. Can you guys hear me? Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. So, oh, you just want to see more of your face there, buddy. <laughs> right, but, yeah, so, so, you know, but I had learned that since I was using Zack Ryder, which is the WWE intellectual property, even though I created the show, even though I was funding the show, even though I was filming it and editing it, it's theirs, right? It's their intellectual property. They own it. So fast forward a couple of years later, um, when Brian Myers and I, Kurt Hawkins, we want to do this, uh, this wrestling figure, wrestling collectible podcast. We brought it to WWE and they had no interest in it. They had no interest in podcasts, no interest in collectibles. So we said, Hey, we're going to do this on our own. But I was smart enough to realize, well, I don't want it taken away from me like the last thing. So let's do it as our real names, Matt and Brian. And luckily we did because when we got fired, it was ours and they couldn't touch it. Cause if it was the Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins wrestling figure podcast, it would have been over. Was there pushback on you doing that? Because we saw what happened with them in Twitch for a while where there was some pushback on that, even if people were using their own likeness and not their character likeness. There was no pushback at the time. It was just a weird era where people were just doing whatever the hell they wanted. You know, this is before they were cracking down on the Twitch. So we weren't hiding it, but we were, you know, we were definitely tiptoeing on the line. You know, for instance, we made our own wrestling figures wearing Lucha masks. Like you clearly knew it was us. Right. But we we weren't using that WWE intellectual property. That's so smart. That's so smart, man. I'm really, really impressed. Well, I appreciate that. So, so how did you 
further monetize that, Matt, once the release happened and it became your primary source of income for a period of time? Yeah, so so while we were in WWE, we just started this show for fun, right? We figured, hey, you know, we're we're our mid thirties. We collect these these collectibles and figures. I'm sure there's a couple other people out there who did. We couldn't anticipate how many, right? And who were collecting like in hiding, you know, who were afraid to to come out and say, hey, I collect stuff. Um, so we didn't even think about monetizing at first. And first we dropped like an enamel pin, you know, you know, a pin, uh, you know, we dropped 100 of those. They sold out instantly. Like, huh, that's cool. Maybe we should do a, a pro wrestling tea store. Those were selling out. Then listen, I'll, I'll admit totally ripping off Conrad and his method. You know, we, we started the Patreon, you know, we started doing live shows all while being in WWE. Um, and then once we left, we're like, oh my God, this is the pandemic. Who's going to want to listen and buy collectibles during this horrible time in the world turned out everyone was just sitting home buying junk <laughs> you know <laughs> everyone was sitting home uh, consuming content so our business blew up you know we were recording stuff from home doing live things from home uh selling more merch than ever it was a wild wild time sounds like a fun time brother i mean oh it- yeah like, i love the pandemic eric i was i was <laughs> fired living in florida every day just by the beach drinking not by the beach my pool which is pretty much like a beach by the pool drinking every day talking about action figures i was loving life <laughs> <laughs> but but you know then you start to realize matt that eventually wrestling's going to start up again it's going to start to get the indies shows happening and you're faced with this opportunity of, you know, a company like AEW, Cody's there. He's one of your best friends. You're yeah. going to have an opportunity to come in if you want to. Or you could go out there and start to explore some other things. And you maybe took a little more of an unexpected path where you did show up in AEW, but you didn't stick around there. And you started to attack the indies as they started to open up. What was your mentality with that approach? Well, I mean, to be honest, you know, I did the AEW thing uh, and they never offered me a deal. It's not like I turned them down. You know, I was there for maybe three or four shows. They kept saying the deal's coming, the deal's coming. The deal never came. And at the time, I was I was pretty bummed out, to be honest. Looking back, blessing in disguise, right? Blessing in disguise. At the time, totally disappointed. Now, thank God it didn't work out that way. Because then once the indies started opening back up, I knew I needed a change, right? I didn't know what that change would be. I knew I needed to change myself in a drastic way. Um, and... I was presented with this opportunity to compete in a death match for, for GCW against Nick Gage, who at the time they had just done a dark side of the ring episode on. Can I, can I stop you right there? Cause I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. just forget, man. I'm a, I'm an old fucker. So you got to bear with me. <laughs> old and bald now. It's, I like it. Good. It looks good. You look good. When you said you realized that you had to be dramatically different. I think is what you said. Drastically yes, different. Yes. What what made you feel that way as opposed to what most guys I think would do, which is, oh, I want to look exactly the way I look to bring as much of that WWE equity with me as I possibly can. You took the opposite approach to, to, to be as right. decidedly different as you could be. What was your thinking about being different? I'm a student of the game, Eric. I'm a lifelong fan. I see what happens when people leave WWE. They, they change the spelling of their name, and then they go to the indies. They have a couple months, maybe a year tops, and their career goes to die. You know, No offense to the honky-tonk man, but this isn't my honky-tonk man run. I don't want to be doing the same bullshit for the next 15 years in high school gyms. I don't mind so if I you. I, I, don't, I don't mind if you jump on honky talk, man. By the way. 
<laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to just do the, the, the greatest hits for a couple months because they see it once. Great. Zach Ryan from WD is here. Great. Second time. Oh, he's here again. Third time. Oh, this guy's back. So, you know, you, you, you touched on something right there that is so really, I mean, I, I don't want to say brilliant, like Nobel Peace Prize, brilliant, <laughs> but that's a really, really significant perspective. And it's so different than, and this is what I'm picking up as I'm listening to you. You know, I talk about it all the time. So does Conrad now. Conrad's approaching a lot of the things that we're doing with a better than, less than, different than. That was the approach I took with Nitro. When you can be different than, but in a unique, interesting way, you're by default, you'll be better than. Right. But very few people want to be different because they're afraid it won't work. Mm. So these plot points along your path thus far, at least, I keep hearing different, different, had to do this differently. You know, I, I right. really enjoy this. This is great. Well, so that's what makes Matt your run with GCW so unique because here's Zach Ryder, the epitome of sports entertainer, right? Like you cannot get more of a sports <laughs> entertainment character than Zach Ryder. And when you go into AEW doing the Matt Cardona stuff in the beginning, it's it's more or less pretty similar. It, you're more authentically you, maybe, but it's pretty similar. So then you get this opportunity with GCW. Tell us a little bit more about why you saw that as an opportunity that you could latch on to. Yeah, so I'm approached to do this death match against Nick Gage, and my knee-jerk reaction is absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I'm not wrestling this fucking drug addict criminal in Atlantic City, New Jersey. No fucking way. And then <laughs> I sat back, and I thought about like you said. I'm like, there might be some interest in seeing Nick Gage with his pizza cutter, the man who almost killed David Arquette, slice up. Zach Ryder. I think there might be some interest in this. It might create some buzz. So I decided to do it. I'm like, fuck it. I'll do it. One and done. I could not anticipate the buzz it created, at least for me. It changed my life. It changed my career that night, which in theory, and, and thanks to streaming and the way wrestling is now, you know, it was on Fight TV. You know, 10 years ago, it would have just been an independent show in Atlantic City, New Jersey that what? 500, 1,000 people saw? Yep. Because yep. of streaming and because of the internet, it was trending number one worldwide above the Olympics and UFC that night, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> and the snowball effect it caused for my career, not just in GCW, but other places where, you know, I walk into GCW for the past decade in WWE, this ultimate over the top baby face. They're, they're flipping me off. They're saying, fuck you. And I absolutely loved it. And that was the change I needed. That was the catalyst to change myself into the more aggressive asshole, more, yeah, I don't want to say hardcore because listen, I'm fooling everybody. I call myself the deathmatch king for two years. I had one fucking deathmatch. It's just that, I, and that's the heat. I'm the deathmatch king. I come out the crowd. I had one fucking deathmatch. One. Well, that's the thing, Matt. You started really leaning into this self-awareness. And like Eric, one of my favorite things that, that Matt was doing was, you know, Matt, as Zack Ryder, came up through the WWECW brand. So he started marketing himself as an ECW original because he came through the WWECW brand. And I think small things like that, yep. man, they enhance your presentation like crazy. I it's, it, it, it's, it's three-dimensional heat. It's, it's real heat. It's not going out there and making fun of the town or the fat person at ringside or all the typical or the local teams i mean 
or in the case of CM Punk, putting heat on Hulk Hogan in your first interview back. The guy you don't even know you've never worked with. That kind of when I see cheap heat like that, I, I, it's it's just I, I disconnect immediately from that character. But when you can find something like Matt is describing here and John, you're describing, that's like a third dimension, and that's the heat that works. It's I don't know how to describe it, but I know it when I hear it. I know it when I see it, and that's a perfect example of it. It's a little yeah. bit like self-deprecating humor for wrestlers. Like if you sure. want to be be a heel, you got to acknowledge that you're bullshitting people. Right. You, you got to be willing to do things that the audience knows is flat out bullshit. They'll hate you for that more than they'll hate you for making fun of their football team. No, I agree. And another example is like you know the big. You know, the I don't know why it'd be an insult. Was that oh you're the ex WWE guy who got fired? So I'd use all that stuff to my advantage. For instance, I win this death match GCW title. I make a custom title with the Velcro strap that everyone hates on the belts now. Velcro, and I made a spinner like that John Cena spinner belt. Like just walking out with this spinner looks like a toy for this death match wrestling promotion. They fucking hated me, but I. You know, if I walk out and I don't think it's a joke, I'm not walking out laughing and smiling. I take it fucking very seriously. That's and the that heat. Right. They they hate me even more for that. That's but are you, third are you translating that into buys then, Matt? Like, how is that translating to merchandise? Because, you know, you're going to get the old schoolers to say, well, you're the heel, so you shouldn't be out there selling your merch on a table after that. But how did you combat that? Okay. So, for instance, that that – I don't know about GCW and their business. I can't speak to that. I do know. And a couple months later, this an indie promotion, you know, just in New Jersey, a couple months later, they sold out the Hammerstein Ballroom. Is that because of me and the attention? I don't know. I'm not saying that. But I do know for that particular match, you know, I, I knew I was going to get a little bloody, right? So I wore like a white T-shirt. I'm like, all right, I'll get a couple trickles of blood on it. The shirt was maroon by the end. Okay, it was maroon. So I'm like, all right, how can I market this? So I contacted some buddies I have at the WWE who work in the merchandise department. I said, who makes those WrestleMania plaques? Every year they cut up the canvas and they take a nice picture of whoever the champion is and they autograph it. They sell the plaque. I found that company. I sent them the bloody shirt. They cut up the shirt, right? As, as opposed to like a canvas. It's my bloody shirt. A picture of me all bloody. I signed it. I made over 20 grand on that. Did, did, did they like request a... a, 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 a... <laughs> A blood test or <laughs> well, I, I let them know what it was so they could back out before it wasn't like, Hey, I'm sending a shirt and I send them a bloody shirt. I let them know, Hey, this is real blood. <laughs> yeah, wear that, gloves. That probably would have got somebody's attention. Yeah. Hey, I'm send you a shirt. I want you to cut up into a bunch of little pieces so I can ship it out all over the country. Sounds like you're trying to like do a Dexter thing and cover <laughs> up a murder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it, lo it looked like a full blow. Mo I looked like I was murdered afterwards. I, I really did. It was, Listen, that's why it's a one and done never again. I, I give all the credit in the world to those guys, but holy shit, there's no way I can do that every weekend or every month. No way. But yeah, that's how that's how I marketed that. And then since then, for that match, I made two different action figures from it. So that's even more money. All of this one match. That's it's awesome. A, I, it, owning how the many action, how many action figures are you selling right now? Oh, right now, I've we have a whole toy line. We make these bendy figures, make these big, like they're called big rubber guys, like the LJNs. Uh, we made a Conrad figure <laughs> for, for Ric Flair's last match. Conrad contact was like, Do you know anyone who can make this figure uh, for Flair's last match, which was in like two or three months? I'm like, uh, I can try. And, and luckily, you know, we were able to pull it off. It was able to be in hand. 
Uh, we stopped our production and everything else to get that flair figure out. But, you know, it's just, is it work? Yes. Is it my job? Yes. But it doesn't feel like work. I'm designing toys, you know, stuff that I would have played with as a kid. I love it. I know, I know this guy by the name of Jerry Padawar. That you know, you, yeah, you Jeremy, sound a yeah. lot like you know who Jeremy is. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Jer- Jeremy's best. a pretty good friend. I've known him for about yeah. twenty years. Yeah, and uh, he loves what he does as well. You can yes. you can tell. You know, he he was a young kid that just had a passion and and has worked hard and is still having a blast and probably still to this day doesn't feel like he's going to work every day. Jeremy is a great guy. Actually, we went to his house to record a podcast. He, this guy is so rich. This is how I want to get where his, his basement, like the windows are his pool. It's the water from his pool. I'm like that's how rich I would, and all of toys. So toys aren't just for kids. Look at that. No, no. <laughs> uh, then you also mentioned that you were starting to do a lot of live events with your podcast. Yeah. How did you see that translate tangibly in, in that regard? So listen, like I said, I stole whatever Conrad and Bruce were doing, right? They were piggybacking off pay-per-views. You know, if they were in Chicago, they would do a show, you know, right before the night after. So it was easier to do while we were in WWE because we'd already be in the town. So so now we kind of just do them, not so much piggybacking off events. We just kind of pick our own spots. Like you said, you're going to Kowloon with Matt Hardy. Uh, every August we go there. We do, you know, 100 VIP tickets, maybe 75 GAs. And does it make money? Yes, but I feel like it's more of a community builder, mm-hmm. right? So now they're listening to the podcast. They're invested. They're buying the merchandise. And we're, we're out there. And afterwards, we're, we're hanging out with them. We're drinking with them. We're having a good time with them. You know, we're not just saying, here, come pay us and get the fuck out of here. You know, we're giving them an Man, you, there's another. This We could do this podcast for three hours. Yeah. There is another. You know, you were talking about Conrad. You know, I just got back from this every show's weekend event that we do once a year for uh, top guys, one of our top tiers. And I'm, I'm going to be very honest. Anybody that knows me very well at all um, knows this to be true. I prefer not to be around people. And, and it's not that I don't like them. It's not that I hate people. It's just I'm much more comfortable with a lot of space around me, right? And for me to go to a two- or three-day event, I have to mentally prepare myself. And I'm not kidding. You know, and it's not like hard work or you have to meditate or anything, but I have to really change my way of thinking, not because I don't like anybody or, or anybody that's part of a group, but just because, again, I, I live in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, for a reason. <laughs> I've been here for a long time. But I, I went to this event that I typically, in an environment like that, would be, I, I just wouldn't feel right. Uh, I had the most fun I've had in a long time. And these members of AdFree Show, we call them family because they really are. And it's really, truly become that. That community and, and hanging out with them and sharing stories. And you can, over time, you can feel them actually feel like they're one of your pals. Yes. That is such a cool feeling. And I know, you know, I, I got involved in this whole thing and Conrad and I were having fun. And I ended up getting my head shaved and we raised a couple bucks and that was cool. But the goodwill that we created doing that is I, I sent Conrad a text. He said, my, my timeline's blowing up with stuff that people typically wouldn't send me the goodwill that you just described and, and hanging out with them. Don't just take their money. Right. I've, you know, I've been to enough autograph signings and conventions where people like me, you know, formers, older formers, um, 
and they're just there for the transaction. And I see people walking away. I don't want to say disappointed, but they know that you really don't care. And when someone like you goes out and hangs out with them, yeah, you're doing it. It's, it's business. It is. They know that, you know that, but then when you go out and hang out with them and just make them feel like they matter, you may not be printing money that day, but the goodwill that you're creating will eventually. Absolutely. For sure. And like you said, you know, even before wrestling shows, I get to these, these venues and I don't understand when I see like the guys in the back before the show, like just, just hanging out backstage or going over their match. I'm thinking, why aren't you at the fucking merch table, either a trying to make money or B trying to make a connection with the audience. And if you want to say, oh, I'm a heel, I, I need to, you know, be a bad guy, then be an asshole. You know, make them hate you because they will love that, too, because they right. know. Just, oh. just do something. I mean, I just I don't understand I, every you will see me before every indie show I'm at at my table selling my gimmicks, making a connection with the fans. It's all about the connection. Listen, I understand it's 2023. The moves matter. I get that. I'm not saying they don't. But if the fans don't care about you, then the moves don't matter at all. Absolutely. There needs to be a connection and not just a yay boo, but a true connection. And you, it's hard to make that if not impossible, if you're not interacting with them. Yeah. <laughs> so the people who don't want to use social media or don't want to interact with these indie shows, I just don't understand it. I, I yeah, think you I, look at it. Look at Sorry, John, but you look at a guy like John Cena, you know, people could question John Cena's technical wrestling skill all they want. The Dave Meltzer's of the world have at it, whatever. But there's a reason why John Cena became as successful as he did and is still as successful as he is. And it's not because he was such a great technical wrestler. Yes. He's got a great look. It almost looks like he was created at a Marvel studio, right. but it's not even that either. John worked his ass off doing exactly what you're talking about doing. He worked harder outside of the ring than he did inside of the ring. And, and when you're in a DIY position, Matt, that connection goes even further. Like an example that I'll use, and Eric, I'm not sure if you're even super familiar with him, but Danhausen is the perfect example of that, Matt, where Danhausen now, you know, the, here's this guy on the Indies back 2019, early 2020, right before the pandemic. He reinvents his character. He's doing this vaudevillian kind of style character. He creates this gigantic following. This Patreon becomes self-sustaining. It becomes one of the largest wrestling Patreons out there. And now Dan Housen worked his way into a big paying contract with AEW, and he still gets to do all this stuff. I think that DIY element of that connection also allows for the wrestler and the audience member to bond at an even more intimate level. Have you found any experiences like that? For sure, especially with that old YouTube show, because the fans feel like they're part of your success. You know, so so back in the day when I did that show, I would do sign of the week, right? Where I would literally screen grab from Raw or SmackDown and take a sign, eventually turn it to every sign I could find, which would entice fans to bring signs so I could put it on the show. You know, it's all about the crowd and fan participation, and they feel like they're along for the ride because they are. So the more you can use the audience to your not necessarily to your advantage, but they want to be a part of it. They want to see their guy or their girl succeed. You know, that. Matt, you, you, you're right. Leaving WWE was a blessing for you, and, and certainly not getting locked up at AEW was a blessing because your mind works in a very at a very high level. You're thinking differently. There we go again, differently. You're thinking so much differently than the people in WWE would allow you to think there because it's a machine. You're gonna go. You're gonna be a part of the machine, 
and if that machine is going to function exactly the way they want it to function, even if your mind works differently. And that's what I'm saying in a long-winded way is you would never get the opportunity to have the success, the experience, and take the initiatives that you're taking in a controlled environment, in any controlled environment, WWE or Coca-Cola. People right. like you don't function well in a corporate environment. And you're doing exactly what you should be doing. You, you wouldn't be able to, to have the freedom and flexibility to the extent that someone would really take advantage of you. A, a WWE should, you should be, the reason I'm bringing this up is I'm thinking, why the hell did, how did they let this guy go? Because <laughs> your, your way of thinking is so different than most people's way of thinking, talent or corporate. It, it's, a, it's funny you say that because my wife, Chelsea Green, we met, we've been together for seven years. So, you know, half the time I was in WWE. And recently she said to me, like, I didn't realize how much you really loved wrestling. Because when you were WWE, you would, you would come home and you would turn off. And, and I'm like, babe, you're right. Because when I was in WWE, I would come home and turn off. Because in WWE or AEW or any corporate environment, there's only so much you can control. So I say in WWE, and what got me through the past couple of years in WWE is like, listen, I can control my physique. No one's going to say you can't work out. I can control my gear. No one's going to say you can't look like a superstar. And I can control my attitude. No one can say you can't be in a good mood. The other things I can't fucking control. I can pitch all day long, but that's it. So I would try my best. I would do what I was told. And then when I went home, I shut off. But now I control literally everything so my brain doesn't shut off. No, I, I bet you I, if you're if – you're, I, I, you're like me times 10, by the way. But <laughs> if, if we're cut out of the same cloth, I wake – I've woken up in the middle of the night with an idea. Yes. Like I, I was dreaming the idea and it was such a good idea that it wakes me up and I literally have to write it down or record it on my phone. So I remember it the next morning and I'll oftentimes get up and go, wow, that was a really good idea. <laughs> so your brain never really shuts off. You know, never your eyes may off. be closed. You may be even snoring, but your brain will <laughs> go it. And yeah. you, you just said something, Matt, too, that I think has been a huge part of your success because you're doing something that a lot of wrestlers have refused to do. And that is you lean into the fact that you are a lifelong fan of wrestling. You, you just mentioned the WrestleMania thing where they, they'd cut the canvas and sell that because you're such a wrestling fan. You knew that that was a thing. Right. So that you translated that into doing that for your shirt. Sure. Uh, the, the DX skit we just talked about uh, in that GCW match, if I'm not mistaken, you did the allusion to Edge coming out with the biker hat and, right. and the biker helmet and all that. So have you seen that that passion for wrestling that you have? Has that translated into enhancing that connection with fans, in your opinion? Totally. And I think with the uh, especially with the major recipe podcast, because, listen, at the end of the day, we're all nostalgic for something right our particular fans are nostalgic about you know 80s 90s wrestling so a lot of people listen to us they're like yeah you know i like uh matt and brian or zach and kurt but i don't really collect figures anymore but then they would listen and be like holy shit you know i had that ultimate warrior in 1990 you know so like you can't there's no real delorean you can't go back in time but because of ebay and our podcast you can recreate these childhood memories Right. Or create new ones. For instance, you know, Christmas 95, I wanted the one, two, three kid figure. I didn't get it. Right. It devastated me. Instead, I got Jimmy Hart, the WCW Jimmy Hart. Oh! <laughs> right. But now I can I'm a grown man. I can go on eBay and buy it right now. When you get that package in the mail and you're opening up, 
it's surreal. It feels like you're a kid again. And it's this nostalgia is what our podcast is really about. Yeah, it's about the collectibles and the figures and the cards and the video games, but it's really about our love for pro wrestling. Awesome. Amazing. He is Matt Cardona. As I said, he is owning the indies right now. You're crushing it out there. Uh, anything you'd like to plug, this is the this is the stage for it. What you got? Oh, man. Uh, you know, go to MajorPodMerch.com to buy any of our uh, new wrestling figures. We have the Major Bendies, the Big Rubber Guys. Uh, and just, you know, if you're if you're seeing me on social media at the Matt Cardona, give me a follow if you're not. And, and check us out on the independents. You know, every weekend I'll be somewhere. I always post my schedule. So uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is great, man. I I, I just got to tell you, this has been uh, inspirational. It, it it really has. It's it's really refreshing to have a conversation with people that think like you do, and particularly, you know, with you in the wrestling business. It's it's uh, makes me feel good. I hope people that listen to this hears the, some of the same things that I heard. You know, not you know, you didn't mention the word fear, but a lot of the thought process that you went into tells me that you weren't afraid to fail and you're not afraid to fail. You're not afraid to be different. You, you, you want to be in control of your own destiny. Those are all really aspirational qualities. And I think, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this, some of them may be aspiring independent wrestlers or entrepreneurs of any kind, because the same things that you talked about apply to anybody that, that wants to gain more control over their lives. So I, yeah, we're talking about wrestling, dude, but uh, you're pretty, you're a pretty bright individual. And I hope a lot of people, you know, listen closely to what you had to say. I appreciate that, Eric. Thanks a lot. It means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Well, if you are like Matt Cardona and you are marketing yourself out there and you want a tag team hypothetically with Strictly Business, you can find <laughs> us, of course, over at advertisewitheric.com. Get your business, get your product out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week with Strictly Business. And you can find us on the 83 Weeks podcast stream as well as adfreeshows.com. This has been such a great conversation. Matt Cardona, thank you so much for hopping on with us. And we'll be back with you right here on Strictly Business next week. Make sure you're again subscribed. 83weeks.com, adfreeshows.com. This has been Strictly Business. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.